This morning, we're going to be talking about the name of God. That's actually the, the very topic of, of the message. And this is going to be a little bit different from the way that we normally do it, rather than, I guess, so much preaching. It feels like it's going to be kind of more of um, uh, teaching. It's going to be a lot of scripture. So I do encourage you to, actually, in, that, um, in the pamphlet, in the flyer that you have there, one of the tabs has an area for sermon notes. And so I would encourage you to grab a pen. There should be a pen in the chair in front of you, too. And jot down some of these references. So like this week, when you go home, you can, I encourage you to read through these scriptures and let it continue. Let the Holy Spirit continue to teach you through these. Uh, we're going to read this morning from Exodus chapter 23. Exodus 23, and we're going to start in verse 20. Just a few verses from Exodus 23. I'll give you just a minute to get there, and then we will jump in. How many are excited for the Patriots game today? How many are watching the clock, literally, as I'm standing in front of you, wondering how long am I going to keep you here? I know you two are. There's no question. You're shining the jersey in my face. Like, <laughs> I'm probably going to get a countdown over here from, from Sister Diane. <laughs> All right, Exodus 23, verse 20. Uh, let's see what it says here. It says this, and this is the word of the Lord being spoken to Israel. See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. In verse 21, pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. Come to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you that you have given us your name to go before us and lead us into our destiny, the place that you have already prepared in advance. It's ready, it's ready for us to, to receive it. And all we must do now is follow the name of the Lord as you go before us and lead us into that place. So I pray, open our hearts and our eyes to, to see and receive all that you intend for us today. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to talk about the name of God this morning. This is something that is so, uh, such a powerful thing. I mean, if we actually stop to consider the name of God and the, the implications that that has in our lives, that the very name of God and all of its power has been given to us is absolutely mind-blowing. But our minds are not blown because oftentimes, most every time, we just we can't grasp it. So we don't even know what we have, much less do we even begin to tap in to the power of the name of God that's been given to us. And this is what I want to talk about this morning as we jump into, this, into the Scripture. And see, back in Jewish culture, someone's name was their authority, was their reputation or their status. Really, their name was their identity. Everything was wrapped up in that name, that thing that was declared over them. That's who they were. And so in that way, the name of God was the representation of himself. And so in this scripture, he says, I'm sending an angel who has my name in him. This angel is a representation of me. And so listen to him. The name of God went before him. At the very beginning of creation, too, we looked at when God created the earth and then created man, he gave us a name. Or that very first man, he gave a name, Adam. 
Names have meaning, right? It describes uh, ownership or authority of the person giving the name. I've named my son and my daughter because they belong to me, so I have the authority to name them. No one else has that authority. They're my children. I name them. It also represents, there's a meaning that describes something about the person being named. And so God names Adam because, of course, he has the authority over him, and he also describes what he is. The name Adam means earth or dust. And so he speaks over him, you shall be called dust. This is what you are. So he spoke, spoke over him the name that was what he was basically made out of. And every person that came after Adam was also Adam or dust because everything came out of that first man. Even, even Eve came out of the rib from that first man. Everything came out of him. But not only did God give a name to Adam, he also gave him authority. So in that name, he had authority to rule over all the things of the dust or the earth because God put him as kind of like the crowning achievement of of creation. So he gave him that right. He was made in his image, but he was given a separate name. Image of God, but his own name. So God gave this authority to man, but what we found very quickly is that man was not able to be responsible and handle the amount of authority that was delegated to him by God. Our authority was taken, it was used to oppose God at that fruit tree when Adam and Eve stood there and the serpent came and tempted them and they gave into that and they, they, they took their free will, they took their authority and then opposed the authority, the dominion of God. And that's where things began, that downward spiral. And ever since then, pride and rebellion are constantly something that is in our hearts, working against us, working against the name of the Lord who wants to work and bring us to himself. So this morning, I want to take a look at the name that God has now given us because he's given us a new name from that original name. He's given us a new ability. He's given us a divine name that possesses fullness of power, limitless power, giving of his own name to us. Or in other words, giving his own self to us and identifying with us. And it's not something to take lightly, but to consider carefully and to use properly, because if we don't use it, not only will we miss out on the purpose that God gave you the name, but we also end up potentially hurting ourselves or others by misusing the name. So we're jumping back into the story in Exodus chapter 23, and here's the scenario. The Israelites had been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And here now God had just miraculously freed them from this, the nation. This was the most nation, most powerful nation in all of the world at the time. So God stands against that nation and said, enough is enough. My people will go. And he freed them. And so now they're in the desert. They're independent from any other nation ruling over them. And God is kind of giving them an orientation. This is what it looks like to be your own people, your own community. You no longer have people standing over you saying, you will do this today, you will do this at lunchtime, you will do this at night. Now, for the first time in 400 years, so you imagine all these people, no one lived that long. All the people that were in the desert had never been independent. They never knew what it was like to live and be able to rule over themselves. 
And so God is giving them an orientation of what is expected from them and what it means to have success and where he's taking them, how to get there. He's giving them some instructions and rules to follow. And then he stops and he says this in verse 20 of 23, where he says, I'm sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared for you. I'm going to bring you to a place. Right now, you're not yet there. You're free. You have all your freedom. No one has any hold on you any longer. You are free. But you're not yet to the place I want you to arrive at. The place is prepared. I've already prepared it for you in advance. Now just follow me. I'm going to lead you there. But you're going to have to trust me. And so this is what he's saying to them. But then there comes with a warning. I'm sending my angel to guide and to guard you, to make sure that no threats can stop you from arriving at the destination that's set for you. Nothing can stand in your way because the angel that carries my name is in it, and nothing can oppose my name. But then he says this in 21. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is is in him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. So he says this, I'm giving you my name to go before you. This is my blessing to you. This is my protection over you. But it came with a warning. The purpose of giving the name is to lead you to where you're supposed to go. But if you now turn against the name itself, that will not be tolerated. That won't be stand. That, that can't stand. He's giving a power, but that power that he's entrusting to his people, it's something that they needed. They were not going to arrive in the promised land, their destination, without the power of God leading them there. But at the same time, that very power of God had to be revered and respected by the people. It could not be trampled upon, or the power of God would now come and, and affect them, be imposed upon them. And this is the warning that he's giving. As I'm thinking about this concept, I, I was brought back to when I was first started apprenticing um, on, uh, for uh, carpentry. And so like the, one of the very first jobs I was ever at, the carpenter that I was apprenticing under, he was teaching me how to use tools. He was teaching me how to use power tools, how to cut the wood properly. And so he brings me over to this miter saw, this chop saw. I don't know if anybody have ever seen that. It's basically like this huge rotating blade on, on a bench. You pull it down to cut the wood. And you can cut all kinds of fancy angles and things. And so he showed me how to use this. And he says, go ahead and do it. And then he goes off and does his other thing. So for the first time ever, I'm operating this chop saw on my own. And I put the wood down and I'm holding it. And as I, I turn the machine on and I pull it down, I wasn't holding the wood properly with enough force. And so as I brought down the wood, the blade pulled the wood towards the blade and my fingers toward it with it. And it just, just skimmed my skin. Like, thank God I didn't get any muscle or any bone or anything, but just enough I was able to pull it away. It's like, whoa, like you literally saved me from, you know, I would have half a finger right here. <laughs> the very first time I operated that saw. And the truth is, I was learning to be, to, to do construction. I was learning to, to decorate houses with an interior wood and, and these nice things. And you can't do that without these kind of tools. You have to know how to use them. But at the same time, if you don't know how to use them, then you can do a lot of damage. You can waste a lot of materials if you don't know how to cut it properly, but you can also hurt yourself. See, you need the tool to get the job done, but you also have to use the tool properly or the job's not going to get done at all. 
And this concept of the name of God going before us, he said, listen, you need this name. I'm sending it before you, but be careful. Listen to what he says. He's working, and if you obey, he's going to be an enemy to your enemies. If you listen, he's going to oppose anything that opposes you. In other words, everything that you need is all wrapped up in my name. You have it all. There's nothing else that you could possibly need that you don't have in my name. So just follow it. Just submit to it. That's all that they had to do. But as we found shortly, that they weren't really able to do that. See, the Lord was trying to be an ally to his chosen people and saying, listen, I've called you out of Egypt, but this is not the end of the story. We're not there yet. There's more purpose in this. You've got to follow me here. I'm not going to pick you up and just take you there, but you've got to follow me. You've got to show me that you're willing. You still have a free will. Use it to follow me because I'm not going to impose anything upon you that you don't wholeheartedly desire. If you desire it, follow it and watch all the provision that follows. The name of God leads us to our destiny, to the place that God has prepared us for, but we have to follow and submit to that name. Israel was not able to follow, as we know, and so they ended up spending 40 years wandering around in circles in that desert because they were unable to follow the name. Even Moses was not, didn't obey perfectly and was not able to enter the promised land. And so check this out. In, jo- in Joshua 5, 13, this is where Moses had passed away and Joshua is now taking over and they're about to enter the, the promised land. Finally, the Lord had, had them wander on in 40 years because they couldn't obey the name of the Lord. And so that whole generation passed away. And the next generation, the, the ones who were kids when they entered the desert, grew up into adults. And these now were the ones who were able to enter. And Joshua is about to lead them in and they get to the first city in the land of Canaan the promised land. And before they're entering the first city, Joshua was out in the field by himself, and all of a sudden he encounters something that we find in Joshua 5, verse 13. And it says this in verse 13, now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and he asked, are you for us or are you for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? Verse 15, the commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. So we see this. Forty years after God first told the nation of Israel, I'm sending an angel before you that's going to lead you to this place. They didn't follow the angel. Forty years pass, and finally, when the time had come, they're about to enter, but just then, God gives, God appears to Joshua and gives him a warning. He shows him that very angel that had been leading them for 40 years and gives him that reminder, I am still here before you, and I am not for you, but I am not against you. I am for the Lord. The question is, whose side are you on? Because the Lord is not on one person's side or another's. He is for the side and the sake of his name. It all comes down to the name of God. And if we follow and submit to that name, now we find that God has become our ally and he will lead us into that place. So this is the reminder that Joshua gets. God does not change to fit our desires or our will. 
See, a lot of times we, we tend to forget that. We like the fuzzies and then the nice part of like, oh, God has sacrificed himself for us. But God is who he is, and he does not change. He never has, and he never will. He doesn't change to fit our agenda or our desires, but it works the other way around. We have to change. And this is why it says in the book of Romans that his whole purpose is now to conform us, to change us, to become in the likeness of God himself. This is his will. Otherwise, if we do not change to, be, to match up and align with him, now we stand constantly in opposition to the name of God. And that is not a place where we want to be standing. What we're learning is this, that everything that God does is for his name's sake. It's all for the sake of his name, to demonstrate who he is, his reputation, his authority, his power, his character. It's all for his name. See, it says um, in verse 21, it says, pay attention and listen to what he says, or he will not forgive your rebellion. That word is pronounced, it is a, it's a Hebrew word that pronounced as yisei, I believe it is, yisei. And they, they translate it forgive, but it can also be accept or tolerate or bear. In other words, he will not tolerate your rebellion. He will not stand it because that would profane his name, that would stand against his name because his name is holy. It's flawless. It's perfect. And anything that encounters that perfect, all-powerful name and opposes it cannot continue to stand in that presence. And so Israel cannot claim to honor and hold his name high and respect it and then yet live against it, disobeying it. That would misrepresent the name of God to all the nations around. It's all about his name. Psalm 23.3 says, He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. In Psalm 109.21, But you, sovereign Lord, help me for your name's sake. Why does he help us? For the sake of his name. That's his character. That's who he is. He is a loving and perfect and gentle God. And so he loves us, not because us, but because of who he is. We just get to enjoy who he is with the object of his, infection, of his affection. Ezekiel 36 gives us a real clear picture. Ezekiel 36, and we're going to read a few scriptures from here, starting in verse 19. Ezekiel 36, 19. So what had happened was Israel entered the promised land, and they're there, and they're constantly still going back and forth. They're, they're listening to God and obeying, and then their hearts turn and they rebel. And then, and then they lose God's favor, and their provision goes down. And they say, oh, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then they come back to him. They go back and forth, and finally get to the point that they were so wicked, literally opposing God, sacrificing their children, to, to false gods, that God says, I can't stand this enough. You can, I cannot continue to bless a people that are living like this in opposition to my name. And they get taken away into captivity. And the northern kingdom, Israel, ends up getting taken to captivity to a nation called Babylon. And there's a prophet named Ezekiel that is speaking and prophesying uh, over the nation. And this is what he says. Ezekiel 36, verse 19. I dispersed them the Israelites, <clears throat> I dispersed them among the nations and they were scattered through the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and their actions. And when it, wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name. Why? Because it was said of them, these are the Lord's people and yet they had to leave his land. Verse 21, he said, this is God speaking. I had concern for my holy name, which the people Israel profaned among the nations where they had gone. Therefore, say to the Israelites, 
This is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations. They have misrepresented him, and they have, they have given the other nations a reason to think that God is something other than what he is. And God said, it's now time for me to intervene. Verse 23, I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name that you have profaned among them. And then the nations will know that I am the Lord. Verse 24, for I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all countries and bring you back into your land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. And I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. This passage makes it abundantly clear that God moves and speaks and works in our lives for the sake of his name. See, his love is so great and so abundant and his favor is so good in our lives that oftentimes we, we move to this thought that we are the center of the universe. That it's really all about us. And as much as God loves us, and he does, because this, the, the fact that it's for his name has nothing to do that, oh, he doesn't truly love us, he just loves himself. No, the fact that he loves, that, that we are not the center of the story <clears throat> doesn't mean that that love for us is not genuine or there. But it has to come out of a place. <clears throat> and it comes out of who he is. He has to be who he is. Otherwise, we are without hope. God is just being who he is when he showers favor and love upon us. He's being love. He's being patient. He's being long-suffering. He's being kind and gentle for his name's sake and that we are the objects that get to receive of that goodness. See, he had given ample opportunity for the people of Israel to realize that they could not do this on their own. Even with the name of God and all of his power going before them, they just could not submit. That sinful nature that was in them was too strong and had a hold on them, and it was proven. It, man in their natural selves are not going to be able to do this. God knew that was in us. He knew the pride and the rebellion. And here now through Ezekiel, in this passage, he begins to give the first ever, or one of the first um, instances of what his plan, showing us what his plan was going to be and how he was going to resolve for us our hopeless state. Because even giving his very name to lead us wasn't enough. And so now in verse 27, Ezekiel 36, 27, God goes on to say this. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. We can't follow him and submit to him on our own. He says, I'm going to put my spirit in you and then help you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors and you will be my people and I will be your God. He's beginning to show what his solution or our helpless state, the problem of the Israelites was going to be. He's going to put his spirit, not just before the people to lead them, but within them to empower them to follow and to submit. He's preparing to intervene for us on a whole 
other level. So years pass, and then enter Jesus, coming to us in the name of God the Father. In John 5, 43, Jesus said, I have come in my Father's name. He says, I've come also in John 10, I've come that they might have life and have it to all of its fullness. All the purpose that you were originally made with, this is why I've come to restore that. And I've come to do that because I have the name of the Father in me. He's the very one that has sent me. And so he lives his life teaching the disciples about himself, showing them what it means to obey and to follow the decrees and the commands of the Lord. And now before he leaves his disciples in John 14, he's teaching them and telling them a few final instructions. And this is very important. There's a lot here. And I, I encourage you to read through the chapter of John 14 this week. There's so much packed in this chapter, John 14. In verse 10, it starts to say this. Jesus said, Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. The name is in me. This is what he's saying. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And here it is, verse 13 and 14. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. The name of God has been put before us a long time before Jesus came. But it wasn't enough. Jesus came into the world so that the name would not just be in front of us, not just be behind us or around us, not just surround us for that protection, but he would be in us to empower us and change our very beings. He has given us a new name, and the name he has given us is his own. He's called us into his family. And the name being his own, it shows that he now hasn't just exercised authority by giving us a name, but he's given us his name. It wasn't just any name. And so now by giving us his name, that identifies us with himself. And that identifies himself with us. Now I am giving you my identity. I am giving you my very self, he says. See, Jesus didn't give us his name, until he came down as a man and identified with us through life and even death. And as he did, he said, now I give you this name. And verse 14, you may ask for me anything in my name. Now we don't just follow the name, now we can speak in it. And look at what's happening here. Oh, and, and in Romans 8, it says this, the spirit that you received brought about your adoption to sonship. We have a new identity. This name that's been given to us is not like the original. It's not, it makes us something other than what we were. By him we cry, Daddy, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we're God's children, this is 8.17 of Romans. If we are God's children, then we are heirs 
heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we also may share in his glory. And so Jesus, to his brothers and sisters now, he says, you may ask for anything in my name. Because you don't just, it's not something you just follow now. Now you speak it. Now you live in it. Now it empowers you. This is the thing. This is the thing that, that moves you from within to follow without. And so take a look at, let's just, just go back to the beginning. We started in Exodus 23, and it says, my angel has my name. Listen to what he says and do it. And now Jesus takes us to this place, and he says, I have placed my name in you. You can ask me anything, and I will do what you say. Think about that. Taking us from a place where just submit, obey, follow, which he has every right to do, but knows that we can't do it in ourselves. So now he's taken his name and put it in us to give us that ability. And so now, because it's in us, now we can speak and pray in that name. And when we pray in the name of God, we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it will be done because Jesus said, you may ask anything in my name, in my character and will, in my reputation, because it's all for his name's sake. And so when we pray in the name and for his name's sake, Jesus says, I will do it. He will do what we pray. Now Jesus is going to listen to what we're asking and he's going to do what I ask him. At the first, it said, God's going to tell you what to do. His name's going to tell you what to do. You, we have to listen to God. And Jesus says, my name is in you. I'm going to listen to your prayer, and I will do it. Think about that. And why is this? How is this? When we think about Jesus, part of the Trinity, Jesus the, and, and the, God the Father and the Holy Spirit, right? The perfect triune God. They were all God together, and they were all God even individually. And how did this work? In complete submission and love to one another. And so Jesus dying on the cross, God the Father turning his back on him so that now we could enter into that oneness with him. So now the name is in us. And so when we pray in his name and Jesus says, I'm going to do it, this is an act of Jesus submitting to the name of the Father. It's all about the name. It's all about the name, and it's not about just ourselves. And so here comes the caution. Because when the Israelites were in the desert and they were given the power of the name, it also came with a warning. You have to heed this. You have to revere it and respect it. Because if you don't, it's only going to harm you. I'm giving it to you to help you, but it can harm if it's used the wrong way. And now we have the name in us, and it's given to help us, but if we misrepresent it and if we act against it, it can still harm us. It is not something that to, to take lightly. See, his name in us has been given to us to empower us. It has made us a new being. We are not supposed to live in a weakened state, in a natural state even, any longer, because we've been given a divine and supernatural name within us. And so there's this warning that still comes. Living according to his name, in other words, in submission to it, and following and being obedient to the Lord, is still just as important now, if not more so, than it was to the Israelites when they just had the name in front of them. If they had the name in front of them and they opposed it, they were bound for trouble. 
even at distance, the name is in front of them. Now the name is in us. Far be it from us to oppose the very name that's in us. That, that's, that's the ultimate self-harm, to oppose the name of God within us. In, act, in uh, 2 Timothy 3, 5, uh, Paul is talking about the end times. He talks about in the, in the end times, there's going to be a people that have a form of godliness, but deny its power. The name of God does not come without power. The name of God does not exist. It doesn't come without power. And so if, there's, if we have the name of God in us and we do not exercise that power, something is wrong inside of us. And it has to change immediately because the longer that we're out of alignment with the very name that's existing inside of us, the longer that we go hurting our own selves. Not living in power and confidence as a child of God is a contradiction of our lifestyle. It's a contradiction of who we are. So what is it? If we're not experiencing this power, we're not living according to the name, what, what could be standing in the way? Are we identifying with the name that is in us? That's my first question. Because Jesus has given us his name. He's identified with us. And, he, and our, the intention is for us to identify with him. In 1 Corinthians 11, 26 through 31, this is, this is the passage we will often read for communion. And it says this, Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you, procl- you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You say, this, is, this is an act of submission. I believe in Jesus. My faith is placed in him. And this is how we, how we symbolize that when we take the, the bread and the cup. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And then in verse 29, here it is. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That's why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. That's why many, uh, I'm sorry, verse 31, but we, if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. See, identifying with the name and accepting it, but yet not considering and discerning the body of Christ. Paul is literally warning them, this is why you're physically getting sick, and some of you have even passed away. Because you're taking this act and you're saying, my faith is in God, it's all about the name, and then your lifestyle is saying something other. You're literally opposing God. With one breath, we say, God be exalted, and then with the next, with our actual action, we stand and oppose the name of God. That is not good for our soul or our, any of our being. It harms ourself. Another thing to be cautious of is this. Identify with the name in, in word and not in works. Because Jesus said this, if you love me, obey my commands. He's not asking for perfection, but he's asking to give it some attention. Don't be thoughtless and, be, and not even discern the body of Christ. Listen to my commands, be aware of them, and make, make an effort. <laughs> Give it some attention. Don't be thoughtless. And say, yeah, I follow God, and I can go off and just do anything I want to. Be aware. Be considering what it is that we're claiming to submit to, and let's show some, some submission in that. 
And Matthew 7.22 gives a powerful example of this. Using the name, using the name, but not identifying with it. Matthew 7.21, not everyone who says to me, this is Jesus, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? But then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, evildoers. Because they use the name and they spoke the name and the name of God does have power. But they spoke the name without identifying with that name, with actually submitting to it and following it. And that's what it's all about. He brings to, his name is glorified as we submit and surrender to him. It is not a force or a power to be used and taken lightly. But it is a force and power to be used rightly in our lives. This is his intention. Make use of it. Our life now, having the fullness of God within us and that name in us, it can't be what it once was. Now his intention for us is to live in his name. Act in his name according to that character and that will of God and pray in the name of God. And when we do these things, that's how we begin to tap into the power of God that is in us. And that's how we begin to affect and change the atmosphere that we're living because the Bible makes it clear that we are no longer of this world. We're just in it. And the one that is in us is not of this world. He's the creator of it. And so we are of another dimension. We're of another place. We have to carry that name, that presence, that power with us throughout this world in order to get to the destination. He's not, he doesn't just lead us now. He continues to lead us, but he's in us to empower us there. We cannot let that power sit and just sit there stagnant and gather dust. He is calling us to be a people of power. He is calling us to move and breathe and be the body of Christ. He is calling us to be his hands and feet in every place that he leads us, in our workplace, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods. He is calling us to be the body of Christ. He's given us the name to make use of it, not to put it on a shelf and say, look what I got. Look what I found. I'm loved. God loves me. No, it's there to now go show the power of the living God and how that, the power of God transforms a life. And so if that is not a transformation that you are familiar with, then I challenge you this morning, become familiar with the transforming power of the name of God in your life. If you've accepted him, it's there. Don't let it stay, sit dormant. Call it to awaken by submitting to it. Follow the name. Don't let it sit there. He wants us to be a people of action because he is a God of action. We're living in a world that is not the way that it was made to be from the very beginning. Something's wrong with it. And we now have been made ambassadors of God to speak on his behalf to speak in his name with the power of God, because when we speak, there is authority in the name. The authority sits and resides in you. He's saying, get up, move, bride of Christ, come. I'm in you. I've given you this. Don't sit there. Let it come out of you. Let it overflow. 
Let it be like a wellspring overflowing because I'm going to continue to pour in. You can't pour out faster than I can pour in. So give yourself away. We're not here just to receive, oh, thank you, God, and be served and be served. He serves us so that we can serve others. He's given himself so that we can give ourselves away. And this is what it means to be the body of Christ. This is what it means to carry the name of God in us. This is what it means to pray in the name of the Father and have our prayers answered. Because everything that we're doing is just his name being expressed through us. It doesn't matter what you happen to, the topic of conversation happens to be or, or what the tasks are that you're going out through the day. You're doing those things in the name and the character and the will of God. And he is glorified through the way that you sweep the kitchen because the heart that is in it and the name that is empowering that movement, everything that we are, we are transformed beings. We are not supposed to be what we once were. And so if you feel the same as you used to be before you came to the Lord, stop what you're doing right now and don't let today pass before tapping into that name and letting the power overflow you all over again. We cannot be a complacent people. That is not what God desires. God does not want us to be lukewarm because he said, if you're lukewarm, in other words, if you're complacent, if you're sitting dormant, deciding what you want to do, what is he going to do? Spew you, spew you out of the mouth. This is not what he wants. And I, for one, am not going to be a man that sits like a, like a lukewarm drink in the mouth of the Lord. And we as a church are not going to be that kind of church. We are a church that God is calling to action. He's transforming us right now before our very eyes. And we're going to see it more and more and more as it begins to snowball and get bigger and more. And it's going to continue to happen. But it happens here now because we decided to wake up and open our eyes and say, I see the name of God like I haven't seen it before. And now I recognize he's given me that name and he's given me a new identity. I am not who I once was. I am not Ed, the son of Ed Pachette. I am the son of the living God. His name is in me. That's who I am now. I'm not just a natural being. I'm a supernatural being that will live and exist for all eternity. And my life, my eternal life has started already in the here and in the now. God is calling us to wake up, family. Don't let the call go over your head and let it without, without responding to it. We have to respond to it. He wants us all for the glory of his name. And we get to partake in that. His name can be glorified through you, not just around you, but through you, because his name is in you. I'm going to pray and then we'll wrap up. And if you want to pray, don't let today pass. Don't let today pass. Don't let today pass without identifying with the name of God that is in you. Take it off the shelf, brush it off, dust it off and identify with that name. Come back to him and allow him to breathe that fresh breath of the Holy Spirit in you and empower you now to see things once again a way that is not natural. See things the way he sees things. Let's pray. God, God, you have transformed who we are. You have taken our character, the sinful nature that, that was in us, and you've washed that away by the power of the blood of Christ and in its place, you have given us your name. You have given us your reputation, your character, your will, your authority. 
It resides in us. God, I pray that you would help us to use this with caution, not to use it inappropriately and abuse it, but to use it, not to let it sit there and just ignore it and forget that we even had it, but to take it off the shelf and begin to, to, to look it in the face of God, to be empowered afresh and anew, to live in a new way. We hear you calling us, God. You're calling us to a new level of living. This is something that is, man, you're calling us to a new way of living. We don't see things the way we used to see them. We don't receive things the way we used to receive them. And we don't speak things the way that we used to speak them. We speak in a new way. We are people of God filled with the power of God. We submit to the name of God in this church. We submit to your name. And in this church, your name will be glorified. You will be lifted high. And all throughout this community, Lord God, those will, they will see your name being lifted high. And I believe that as we lift your name high in our hearts and in our lives, that you are going to draw the lost to you, that they too can come and know you, Lord. And that they too can come and be exposed and experience the power of God, that transforming power. And so, Lord, anything that's left in us that hasn't been transformed, that hasn't been released to, your, to the name of God, that hasn't been submitted to your name, Father, we turn it over to you right now. Any way in us that hasn't been released to the transforming power of God, we give to you now. Continue your transforming work in us, Lord. Let that power not come to us and then come like hitting a brick wall and stop with us because we refuse to submit to it. But come and work through us, Lord. You've called us to be ambassadors, so let us be your ambassadors that do your work according to your will. In all of your character, not just in word, but in deed and in power. We are a people of power because we are a people of God. Lead us and guide us, we pray. In Jesus' holy name. Amen.